I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Listen to Scoopy Radio with Brandon Robinson. Scoopy Welcome Radio. to another edition of Heavy Live with Scoopy. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson, senior writer at Heavy.com. And it's always a pleasure when you welcome somebody who uh, definitely um, is knowledgeable, not just about the adult industry, but also about sports. There's a dual threat there. It's none other than Lisa Ann. Lisa, what's going on? You know, just staying busy uh, this unusual year we've been faced with. I think I'm right now mourning kind of the loss of the NBA bubble because it was so much fun, wasn't it? It was. It was It was definitely, um, when you talk about boarding the house and then the house board, it gave people something to look forward to, particularly, I don't know about you, but I liked at the beginning where they had all those games on like all day. It felt like the NCAA tournament, oh. we missed out on the tournament, so we got blessed that it was all day it was almost a bit of system overload at one point right because you were like there were so many choices but down to the wire was great I thought game five was just such a great game game six it looked like the heat were just out of gas and we knew the Lakers were going to take it in the end anyway did you really know the Lakers were going to take it in the end I did I felt the spirit of Kobe through this whole series and there was no doubt in my mind the Lakers were going to get the title when you saw um, the Lakers go out, it was like it was a two-year process. You saw LeBron um, in 2018 uh, join the Lakers, and then that next next last summer, you had Anthony Davis, and then added the coach and all those other pieces. Um, did you kind of feel when you saw Anthony Davis come, it was a wrap, or did you feel like in year one, minus LeBron's injury, it was going to be something special? I just saw, you know, it takes time to build that kind of chemistry. Anthony Davis has had to move uh, and adjust to new teammates, new coaches, a new environment. And I just knew that once he really bonded with LeBron, LeBron's just a great leader. And he brings out the best of the people around him. We've seen this multiple times. I mean, but it doesn't happen overnight. You know, that kind of success takes time. It takes time to build trust. You know, when you take that journey and you start moving team to team, you got to settle in. 
And everybody needed to be patient with Anthony Davis and LeBron to really get that chemistry right and actually make it happen in the bubble was a lot more difficult. These guys were, you know, away from their normal lives for almost 100 days. Living in the same hotel room for that long just must have sucked. Like, Can you imagine? You know, you know, I've been on the road for a long period of time where I'm just like, oh, my God. But at least you're moving locations, right? They didn't get to move. So... And just the confinements of it, like, hey, it's first, it's fun. We've been in our house for months. We're out, it's like summer camp, NBA style. And then eventually it's like, oh, my gosh, we're running into players we don't want to run into in the hallway. You know what I mean? So it was a lot, and they they sacrificed a lot to do it. It was great to get to know the players on a different level, seeing them, you know, doing different activities. I think everybody really enjoyed it. It was a great escape. I got to take a pause for a second because I am um, a fan of good art. And I'm, the thing that's distracting me right now is that backdrop. What do we have? It's just uh, something fun and colorful from Amazon. You know, I get a lot of compliments on it. So obviously it's working. But like, you know, when you look at something for a while, you want to change it. And then someone else sees it for the first time. And they're like, oh, that's great. But it's just kind of can match anything I'm wearing. Uh, yeah. Everything else is very white. My chair is white. My desk is white. So that really throws a nice pop of color as we would say uh, uh, on set and porn you don't want anything shiny or reflective right you want like oil paintings even jerseys behind you you get the reflection for your computer and everything else very distracting that you know it's funny you bring that up i remember when i was like 15 16 i went to like a sports broadcasting camp and one of the things when we would practice like you know like stand-up shots they would tell us like if if you you know wearing if you're if you're if you're a guy for example and you're wearing you should wear a white shirt and then like a solid color black like blazer. And then with the tie, you're able to make that palatable on camera because the white balance and all that other stuff, it, it just balances everything out with the colors. Yeah, it does. But thanks for noticing. Of course. Of course. Heavy Live with Scoopy with Lisa and uh, on video, live and direct in effect. Lisa, you, um, you have a smorgasbord of things um, that you are working on right now. Um, I, just taking a cursory look, Bovada is your one of your sponsors. You have a podcast called The Lisa and Experience, as well as your shows on Sirius XM, uh, Fantasy Sports Radio, Thursdays from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time, as well as Sundays, 12, 20 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, you also have your audio book. So I kind of want to unpack that a little bit. First of all, hmm? I was going to say, we have to talk about me being so freaked out about, you know, I moved from LA to New York City in December full time. So I left behind my car, my pool, my all the things that would have been okay during quarantine. And then quarantine comes and I'm like, girl, you better make yourself a list of shit that you have not done that for some reason you procrastinated. You better just go through this list. So one of them was recording my audio book. So I reached out a friend who does a lot in sound and she taught me how to like soundproof my master closet and how to really stand and record surrounded by clothes. Right. So it would buffer the sound. And I had my mixer in there, you know, my laptop with like the extension cord going underneath the closet door. And I was on lockdown in there for about a month. It took me to record it to my liking, to listen to the edits, to uh, enjoy it. So that was really a good way to erase a month of life where I didn't want to be just, we were, we didn't have sports back yet. So uh, you know, other than some UFC on Fight Island and maybe at a golf tournament here and there, we didn't have our action sports. So I kept very busy. And that was one of the things I got done. And it's now available on Audible. 
I did two bonus chapters because it allowed me to like reread my book that I wrote and released in 2015 mm-hmm. and kind of see how I feel about the situations now and kind of give my like bird's eye view of like, okay, five, five years later, uh, this is a little bit different. I'll say no matter what, rereading that book and listening to it, the most fun chapter to read and listen to was definitely the adventures of being Sarah Palin. Yeah, the Sarah Palin thing. To me, um, looking at this presidential election, everything is politics, everything is topical. Um, How did you, like, was it one day you just looked in the mirror, you were washing your face and you just started being the the, the, the No, no, no. A company reached out to me to do it. Hustler reached out to me to do it. And, you know, I was very lucky because it was at a time where things were different. I wouldn't get involved with anything that has to do with politics right now. People are way more heated and intense than they were when it came to Sarah Palin. It was very lighthearted, campy. You know, she kind of made it a little bit easy to find little kitschy things that she would say. And, And Hustler reached out to me and asked me if I would do this project. And, of course... I wasn't at first really keen on spoofing somebody. That wasn't a thing yet. Then after Palin, you know, every porn is like a spoof of a mainstream movie or a TV show. And now it's a big thing, these parodies. But at first I I was a little bit reserved. And it was the night of the VP debate was the day that they had contacted me and asked me. And I said, well, I'm leaving for a trip, but I'm going to be packing. Let me watch the debate and, you know, do a little bit more research on Sarah Palin. And she just captivated me with the debate. And I'm like, okay, I, I get it. I want to do this. It's it's for Hustler, which ties me into a closer relationship with Larry Flint, a man that I really respect. Sure. And uh, it was just the adventures of it, right? When I went back and read that chapter, you know, I got invited to travel all over the world as Sarah Palin. I went to Finland. I went to Spain. Uh, I went to Greece. Like I went everywhere and did events. And, and it was just um, a really fun three to five year wild ride of getting to go everywhere and do everything. I'm curious, did work, did you ever get any word back that she actually saw your personation and whether she liked it or no? I didn't myself, but there were people who asked her like during interviews, she always just brushed it off. And ironically, you know, she's a great follow on social media still to this day. I'm just telling you right now, her Instagram is just, she's, she's, in, she's a character and she's challenging this woman right now, this Senator from Alaska and the Senator's name is Lisa, I want to say Makowski. And so when I saw this Instagram post, I said to myself, man, what are the odds? Like if I could put a total at Bavada right now, what would I put this at? What if this woman's middle name is Anne? So I go to the woman's Wikipedia page. Her name is Lisa Ann. And I'm like, yes, yes. And so I, you know, I'm talking to some of the people I know. I'm like, here we go again with this woman right now. She's challenging Lisa Ann. It was just comedy. It just kind of writes itself, right? But it was a different time. And it was really fun to do, and it, and it allowed me to travel right and just get a couple more years of just silly life in my life. While I have you on the line, can we get a can we get a, a, an updated Sarah Palin today? I don't really have one. You got to go to her Instagram, man, because you know I'm in New York, so I can't be toting guns. Like she's so great about toting guns, and yeah. you know she's just her property and and her hunting, and she's just. Please, just please follow Sarah Palin. <laughs> no, that's real. Listen, um, your fantasy uh, show, your fantasy sports show, uh, you've been in a series for a couple of years now, if I'm not mistaken. Seven years now. Do you consider... Seven years. Can you believe that? Seven years is a long time. Yeah. Do, do you consider... So 
you've been here seven years. You transition. Do you consider yourself having transitioned fully out of the adult industry into radio, or do you still consider yourself like you never left, but you're still you're you're, you're an expert and you went to other stuff? Uh, well, I kind of moved to New York to really expand on my relationship with Sirius XM and make this my forever, you know, second act. I love doing sports radio. I've actually been able to um, cover for the morning men on Mad Dog Sports Radio when they're on vacation. So that's one of the opportunities that opened up to me moving back here in February. They were going away for a week and, you know, we did a try trial, see what it's like if I'm driving the bus at that time, the show was a four hour show. And so I got to go in there and do that show for a week. And that opened up the opportunity for me to cover on their vacation days, which is like so great getting up and doing a, you know, a mainstream sports show where you get to talk a little pop culture, a little bit of the weird things that happen on PMP at night. And then also your sports because it's a morning drive show and it's a lot of fun. So it's really enabled me to develop my second act. Uh, in a more serious way because I have more access to go in and do shows in person when the world is open. And, you know, just being closer to the center of sports media makes me feel like I'm working towards that goal of this being really my thing. I went to college to be a journalist. I told you I went to broadcasting uh, like a kid when I was in high school. For you, I'm curious to know, what is something that you learned about that industry? Did you think it was easy? And then when you got in, it was like, oh, snap. Like, what's a few things you've learned about the industry now that you're in it? You know, you got to remember that I probably did a couple of thousand radio interviews as Lisa Ann in my 30-year career in the business, whether it was feature dancing, doing an appearance, a bookstore signing. I was always walking into a studio and kind of getting the vibe of, and the feel of what's going on, kind of really instantly have to learn the cadence. You walk into a show where there's four hosts, you have to kind of get the cadence down in advance so that you know when is your turn to talk, when they're talking to you, when when they want to go around the room and continue to develop the conversation. So that kind of experience really gave me a love for it. I listen to a lot of radio, so I'm like a sound snob. Like I know when somebody's like tapping the counter and it drives me crazy or they're touching a pen or whatever it is. Like I'm like such a sound snob. I just want to text everybody be like, dude, stop tapping the table um, or typing too loud while a guest is talking, all those little things that it just made me realize that by that level of critiquing it and seeing what I liked and building a relationship that you build with people that you listen to on air. I think I got a lot of like outside looking in training and then I was really lucky. You know, my first co-host who I worked with for seven years, Adam Ronis on Lee Sanders fantasy. Mm -hmm. um, he went to broadcast school as well. So he taught me the most valuable things. Example, act like the mic is always hot. Yep. So if you're working for a, a you know, you're on a show and you know there's no swearing and you know you know your limits just don't even bring it in that room and okay. we've seen that over the past couple of years of people getting fired now some of the people get fired if that's really how you feel you should probably get fired anyway for some of the things that people have said and got caught saying sure. but i'm just talking about i work with you know you hear other hosts and they'll like swear on breaks and i'm like what if that break airs by accident so adam taught me the really important tools to make me easier to work with for our producers and to give me longevity in this career. I know that for myself, um, there are certain people that I, I savor the interview. Um, to me, um, the easiest thing, or, or rather uh, journalists that come to mind, Barbara Walters, um, her softball questions, and then 
her ability to just ease in. Ed, the late Ed Bradley is somebody that I really enjoyed. Um, Angie Martinez, uh, Power 105, uh, had the ability to make people feel comfortable. Um, Howard Stern, uh, from the shock value, um, and he's a blessing to the writers uh, who, who need to craft the perfect headline. I'm curious from your perspective, who are some people that you modeled your, your, your uh, radio career after? Um, I loved Howard Stern, of course, you know, grew up listening to Howard Stern, also got to be a Snapple girl for Howard Stern uh, when he used to have his TV show on WOR TV. So many years of history listening to Howard Stern. Yeah, that's a good question, you know, because I, I do love a good interviewer. So I would say Howard Stern would probably be first, just the way he can actually tone it down when he needs to or kick it up a notch when he wants to as well. And he really gets to know he brings out a comfort in people. That's great. Barbara Walters, of course. Uh, she's amazing. And then there's just shows where I love the comedic value, you know, like I love Labatard. I can't, I can't not listen to him as do gods. You know, it's just, it's just like my fun radio where I'm getting a little bit of sports stuff and I'm having a lot of laughs and I'm still learning. Um, but there's quite a few, you know, out there that you, you feel like you're really drawn to. Curious million dollar question. So um, when I look at Stephen A. Smith, for example, um, I remember when he was actually a writer covering the Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And that was like in the late 90s. So then you look at him now on TV on first take. And it's interesting to see people like my sister's age, she's 24. She doesn't really know Stephen A. Smith as a writer or she, she knows him more as a television personality. I'm curious from your perspective, because of both industries that you've been in, adult and then radio, do you find it that you may see a kid who may know you as a radio person and then their dad may know you and like the, the adult, like where do you feel like you're most, do you feel like there are people that see you outside of the adult industry? I think there's a lot of people that know me for both. Okay. Um, there are some people that have gotten to know me from doing my fantasy football Fridays, which is the day that I do where I reach out to a ton of different stations that I've known for years. I do a stop in St. Louis, a stop in Houston, a stop in Tampa, one in Louisiana. So when I do those, I'll, I'll meet new people on Twitter that will come up like, oh, you were great on the show. And they don't realize it. But I'm going to say probably 95% of the people very quickly know it's both or knew before it was both. And when you say like the kid, I don't think you realize how young kids are watching this stuff nowadays. All they have to do is click a box that says they're 18. Uh, the young kid might know me more than the dad. So, <laughs> you know. No matter what, that's always going to transcend as the base of my brand, right? That's where everybody's going to always know me. But the interesting factor is that we've never really seen what can happen next. There's a girl in the industry, Christy Canyon, who I met when I was 18 years old, and I was a dancer in Reading, Pennsylvania. And she was a feature dancer, a girl in the industry. She has a show on Vivid Radio on Sirius XM that she's been doing for years. And she's so good at it. I can remember being a guest and just hearing her always remember it about 11 minutes. She'd be like plugging the phone number. She'd be going through her very, it's just amazing. And I don't know if it's because she's doing it in the adult world that she hasn't gotten the, the props that she deserves for carrying on a secondary career because she really has. She's moved over to radio. Now it is different when you have to learn something totally new. Me adding in fantasy sports, you know, touching on different sports and sports radio through, you know, with Bavada and, and picking games and, and putting out their betting options. And, and when there was no sports, I was like, okay, I'm going to learn UFC. So I'm really starting to follow like kind of everything. So that when things ebb and flow, I have all these sports, but I think the real picture here is understanding that sports star is one of the very few jobs that you do. 
that follows you in a sense that it's the only thing people think you are. Mm -hmm. And really your job isn't who you are. Yeah. I understand it was a very unique job and that most people just can't wrap their head around the fact that this is just a person that did this for a living. Right. But seeing me do this hopefully will open the doors for opportunity for other stars to say, Hey, I'm going to do this and build my financial base. And then I'm going to chase something that I'm really interested in that I really want to do that. I don't really have to be worrying as much about money. And that's really kind of something that I hope people one day can see and evolve to is understanding like there's going to be a lot of girls being spit out of the business when we get thousands of new girls a year. And those girls all deserve opportunity later in life. And if they're willing to put their time in and use their brain, we have to celebrate that and let them use that base. For, oh, we know them from this, but wow, she does this now, or she owns this business, or she's yeah. invested in this. So we're, we're, I'm trying to like build those steps so that we make progress in how we view the talent that comes and goes from the industry, because there's a lot of us. Tell me something, or as my late grandmother would say, learn me something. Um, you, uh, when I look at the adult industry, uh, I, I look at a couple of different factors. I look at Instagram, and I coming from working in hip hop and writing for hip hop uh, sites in the past, you look at video vixens, and you look at how Instagram has kind of oversaturated, like there's no reverence for the video girl anymore. In the adult industry, do you feel that there's a similarity there? You know, not really. I mean, what's different now than when I started is you could have followers and everybody can know how many followers you can. I think the younger girls probably have a lot more comparing to do than I had to do. And they're probably always trying to compete, right? Because now there's an actual factual, how many likes somebody gets, how many followers. But, you know, the, your fan base is really connected to you. So every girl has a different, unique something about her, whether it's like I interviewed Cherie DeVille this week for my podcast, and I was fascinated to learn. I've known this woman for a long time, but that she plays Dungeons and Dragons and she swing dances. And before the pandemic, she was going out swing dancing twice a week and she's trained in swing dancing. And, and so every girl has something that now she gets this different fan base because she has all these dungeon and dragons people that kind of chat with her. So I think we're all very unique. And when you're, you're an adult star, you're at the most vulnerable, you're, you're naked, you're sharing yourself sexually with the world. So when you look at how the next level is to connect or well, how can somebody feel close to somebody that they've been almost intimate with? And it's all these different things for me. A lot of it was always sports. I would talk to guys on the road, about their local teams. And I tried to go to a lot of games while I was traveling as a feature dancer so I could see a ton of stadiums and arenas. So, and then I could make even more conversation. Oh, I went to the Pirates game. I love PNC Park. It was great. And, you know, the locals love that and you bond with them. And then it becomes more than just, oh, I saw her video and liked her. Now it's like, oh, we had this great conversation. She likes baseball. So, it's all about what you are as an individual that I think really makes it a little bit different than just the surface looking at photos or looking at video vixens. For sure. So Eastern Pennsylvania was where you were born. Um, I know that area well. I went to Eastern University uh, on the main line down the street from Villanova by King of Prussia Mall. Great mall, by the way. Oh, yeah. Always hot chicks at that mall. I, I heard something like that. That's the biggest mall on the East Coast. Yes. Yes. So... <laughs> Growing up, what is, you talked about Dungeons and Dragons. Were you a gamer growing up? I'm way 
too old to be a gamer, Scoop boy. I'm 48 years old. <laughs> All we had was the little, we had Pac-Man. We had like Atari. That was no, my boy. <laughs> no, no, we were in that financial situation when I was growing up to have stuff like that. So we might play them over at our friends, but we were also limited to how much television. We could watch an hour a day of TV unless it was sports. My mom would let us watch endless sports, even wrestling. We could sneak in wrestling. Um, but we were outdoor kids, and I was either on my bike or outside. I was always doing something outside. And I started working young. I had working papers when I was 13 years old and started working as a hostess at a diner. Mm -hmm. um, and once that started, I kind of became an adult because I could go to school. And in the summer, I could work more full time. During the school year, I would work nights and evenings. So I didn't really have that kind of downtime to just be something like a gamer. The 76ers would be the local team. Are yeah, you yeah, yeah. 1983 was my first NBA game uh, at the Spectrum. And that was after actually the year that they won it all. Mm -hmm. What did you make of the Doc Rivers hiring? You know, I think the Sixers have more than just uh, office problems, right? I think, you know, you really got to sit down with these players. I think really a sports psychologist coming in and evaluating all of the players and just really deciding, uh, do these guys gel? Can they make it work? Do they have enough love for each other to act as a team? And if not, they need to like divide it up, make some moves. Um, so I think when you come into a coaching situation, you don't want to come into the worst situation possible, right? You want to come into a decent situation. And I think no matter who takes that job, now Doc Rivers has that choice to, to be that person. He's going to take a lot of blame. But there's just so much talent there that is so unproductive. So there has to be a bigger thing. And somebody needs to figure out what that bigger thing is and work on the mindset of those players to work as a team. If you, if Nas made a song called If I Ruled the World, imagine that. <laughs> Go ahead and listen. I love them, love them, baby. If I was, Go ahead. So if you ruled the world for that, um, if you were to keep Simmons or Embiid, who do you keep? Who do you get rid of? You know, that is so tough, right? That is so tough. I would have them both evaluated by a sports psychologist and I would take the data collected that would decide then. I know that they both, both bring good entertainment value. Embiid probably has a little bit more score in the entertainment value, right? But they both have injury issues, right? Mm -hmm. But Simmons was coming on this year and really starting to play both sides of the court like unbelievable, which is something you don't get out of Embiid. I don't think Embiid has a great diet. I don't think he has that rhythm yet of like once you're looking at a player like Tom Brady and wondering how did he get here? Well, he took it seriously the whole time. He worked out all year. He ate really clean. You have to make a lot of compromises. I think Simmons is probably more willing to compromise than Embiid because he just wants to be himself. And, you know, I like them both, but I would have them both evaluated, then make that decision. You go right up to the sun, hand in hand. What would you do? Um, if I were the Sixers, um, I really feel like you always build around a big man. Um, I feel as though... Uh, when you look at their season this year, they dealt with injuries throughout the course of the season. Simmons, or rather, Embiid was hurt earlier this season, and then Simmons came yeah. back, and then he got hurt again right before COVID happened, and then they all come back together. You move Shake Milton to the point. 
um, and they could never figure it out. But I also think that the thing that was missing has actually nothing to do with either one of them. I think what's actually missing is the fact that they got rid of one of their, their heart and soul, which was Jimmy Butler. They let him walk. And then he went over to Miami and made it to the finals. You know what? I'm so happy for Jimmy Butler that he got out and he found a team that he just gels with and he has fun with. And there was just so much great bubble coverage of the joy of Jimmy Butler. And I'm happy for him. It's not easy to continuously relocate and adjust and do all of that. But he would have had another lost season there. So what's the point? It's like Lev Bell staying with the Jets. I'm so happy for Lev Bell today. Lev Bell, if you don't you can do whatever you want this year. You're still getting paid by the Jets and you don't have to be in that miserable situation. Mental health um, is, a, is a thing. And first of all, when you look at Le'Veon Bell, I don't think he's going to sit. I think that the, I mean, the Patriots is the obvious choice, but so are the Bears, so are the Eagles. I'd love to see him go to the Chiefs because I think he'd get a ring this year and Lev Bell deserves a ring. Tell me more. I mean, yeah, he'd be behind Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but Alaire's a rookie player who they're not trying to work into the ground, right? And and if the, the Chiefs can stay healthy and continue this momentum, Mahomes is just a monster there with the ball. They get a ring, Lev Bell's happy, then whatever, whatever, right? I mean, sure, there's other options. Chicago could really use him. Uh, Tampa could actually use him. Miami could actually use him. But I'd love to see him go to a winning team. The Dallas Cowboys are without Dak Prescott. Your initial reaction when he hurt himself? Man, I had a lot of emotions. It's always so hard to watch a player be taken off the field in a cart. Like, oh, this is the worst. Just makes me, especially after that same day, we saw Alex Smith get back out there and we all had goosebumps. It was such an emotional, you know, like you're that first play, you're like, don't Scooby tackle Alex Radio. Smith, you know? But, I feel bad for Dak because I look at a player when they're in the cart and I think to myself, multiple things here. Okay. Um, hold on one second. Let me just make sure this is, is right here. It's just, just some, um, I feel bad that he didn't get paid. Okay. Now he's franchise tag, you know, in his mind, he is now concerned about money. Dak played uber cheap for the past three years on his rookie deal. The fact that they didn't franchise tag him and they watched all these other quarterbacks, Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, getting big money. And now he's got to feel insecure about that money over an injury. Now, he could have accepted the deal that they gave him, but he wanted four years. They wanted five. Maybe that was short-sighted of him. Maybe he should have said five thinking I could get injured this year and I could be worth even less money or I could be in a situation where I never get to excel again, right? Mm -hmm. Health-wise, he can come back 100%, but what if the Cowboys decide, all right, we're going to franchise tag you again. Now he's getting older. Now you're missing out on hundreds of millions of dollars. So I was reeked. I was sad over the injury, though I know the surgery will be fine. I know he'll recover, right? But I was in that financial thought process of like, where does this go wrong? How is this not a better situation for these players? Should he have taken five years instead of holding out for the deal that he wanted? Like, it's frustrating. If you're Tony Romo, do you look back at that situation and go, damn, I should come back and play? Hell no. Why would he do that? Tony Romo. First of all, Tony Romo can't come back and play because of his back. Sure. Um, you know, it's just not conducive. But I'll tell you what, I watch every golf tournament Tony Romo plays in because it makes me happy to see a player who was so injured 
had back surgery, which can be debilitating and is able to go out there and live a secondary life that is just amazing playing golf and having the time of his life. He's such a fun guy. Yeah. Uh, and I love him in the broadcast booth. So why would he want to go back and deal with all of them? And plus he's not in the same shape as let's say Tom Brady. It's been way too many years for, for Tony Romo to go back out there way too many. When you look at the Patriots this year, um, do you think that they lose their mystique of the Patriots because Tom Brady is gone and Cam Newton is their quarterback? I mean, Bill Belichick still runs the show, right? So that's really the same. Patriots fans are going to stay Patriots fans. Don't think it loses its mystique. But again, we would go back to that DAC conversation about money and situations. And look, Brady even admitted it's nice to not be playing in the cold. Uh, little things, you know, about being in a warmer climate that he really enjoys. I don't think it really changes that much. I think it was an interesting play getting Cam. They did it totally on the cheap. Um, and if this really works out, look at the money that the Patriots saved. You know all about sports. You have relationships, you're cool with people. Paul George, remember the Clippers. Um, mental health is a real thing. Did it bother you when people were making fun of him? It bothers me when people make fun of anybody. I mean, even down to yesterday, you know, Melvin Gordon uh, getting a DUI and you just hear everybody, you know, shit talking Melvin Gordon. And I think to myself, okay, first of all, when you're driving into 35, going 20 to 25 miles over the speed limit is not that abnormal. It's hard to drive 35. There were a ton of streets in the San Fernando Valley that were 35 and you'd be doing 45, get tickets all day long. So yes, he had some cocktails. He wasn't, he, he wasn't drunk, wasted drunk. I'm not excusing. I never accept anyone drinking and driving, but I don't like the way we, shame everybody for a mistake. Like the most important thing was said by his coach. His coach said, you know, my children have let me down before and I still love them. Mistakes happen. So back to Paul George, Dak Prescott, he got shit when he came out and said he was depressed over his brother. Um, people were saying, oh, well, how can you be a leader? How can Mental health is, is something that everyone's been so afraid to talk about. And now we know why. Because certain people can talk about it really well, and then other people talk about it, it just kind of gets thrown back in their face. The bubble was a big concern for me, mental health-wise, for yeah. players. Um, what it creates, just the anxiety of getting tested every day, just the not being around your people, not going to your favorite sandwich shop, not having any of your comforts for that long. Um, so it does bother me when people you know, make fun of people or, or discount people's emotions or feelings, and it just kind of... You just got to look at it for what it is. I mean, social media is a cesspool of people feeling that they're entitled to say whatever they want to whomever they want. And if you're famous, they're allowed to treat you like shit. And that's what social media is. But yet a regular person with 30 followers wouldn't like it very much if thousands of people said something shitty to them. Mm -hmm. um, but yet that's what we are. We're just kind of the whipping post of social media. So we have to know our limits and know what we can share and maybe Paul shared too much. Maybe Dak shared too much because the world wasn't ready for it. I thought it was great that Dak shared it. I think it's great that he's starting a foundation. A kid's been through a lot. You know, he lost his mother to breast cancer years ago and a lot of things for a young man. And so I want athletes to feel comfortable saying whatever they're feeling, but I also want them to understand that we are the whipping post of social media. Are you impressed with the proficiency, accuracy, and just overall good play of Ben Roethlisberger um, so far this season. 
I am, you know, I really, really am. He had that talked about how many years he lived in that pain. And when he said that, I thought, well, if he was used to that pain, maybe it's going to affect him. He's got a great team around him and an incredible defense. So he's never having to force up the ball like Dak was for the Cowboys because the Cowboys are just always playing from behind. Ben is able to pick his plays and he's really picking them well. And it's awesome for the Steelers. It's awesome for Steeler fans. Uh, you know, going into Pittsburgh, it's just so epic seeing both stadiums when you come over the bridge into the city, like such a pretty city. I've had a myriad of different people on Heavy Live with Scoopy just talking about different things. Jamel Hill, um, Jay Williams from ESPN, uh, Jalen Mills from the Philadelphia Eagles, and now you. And, and one of the things that I, I, I try to bridge that gap, you talked about your audio book um, and some of the things that you had on your bucket list uh, that you wanted to get done uh, while you were in quarantine or, you know, COVID hit in March and and for me, it was till sports comes back on TV. Like, what can I do until sports comes back on TV? <laughs> what is something that you learned about yourself during this dead time? Well, um, I decided to ride the city bike every day because there was no traffic and I didn't have to worry about getting hit by a car. So I zoomed around the city for months and I still go to the park almost every day and ride now. So I learned that having more time made me feel less guilty about taking a two hour bike ride. I learned that being at this pace uh, made me realize it's okay to sit outside with a book, turn your phone off and, and, and leave your phone inside. You know, I learned probably a little bit more balance, striking a nice balance between feeling like I constantly have to be doing stuff and feeling like, you know what, we're at a little bit different of a pace right now. And if I want to be MIA for four or five hours, it's okay. And I've really enjoyed that. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was one of my favorite cartoons growing up. Um, and one of the things that you saw while they were on uh, was wearing the trench coats and wearing the masks. Can you get on the train without being harassed? I don't really take the train. That's real. Okay, I don't go underground. It's too scary under there. The only thing that gets me to go underground, and I've managed to catch it above ground, is going to City Field to see the Mets. Okay. Um, that's the only way, but it's just... I just can't. I mean, I've just, there's always just, there's always so much crazy, but you know, with masks now, uh, my life is a lot different. So I could, but I have all these different germ fears. So I've always been kind of a little bit afraid to go underground to take the subway. Even my friends make me do it. I'm like, I just want to burn all of my clothing afterwards. Uh, there's always a homeless guy that decides he's going to like go to the bathroom in the seat right next to you. There's always something really random that happens that everybody else is like, Oh, that's the city. And I'm like, that's disgusting, okay? <laughs> so Chris Paul, um, DeAndre Jordan, and Blake Griffin were part of the Lob City, and you threw me a lob. So I'm curious to know, where's the craziest place that you've been with a mask on and nobody knew it was you because you had the mask on? Well, I mean, I'm in New York, so there's nothing open. Yeah, but you can walk around freely without people recognizing you. Right. So I do that. I guess it's just walking around and people not recognize me or bike riding and people not recognize me. But it's not like I've gone in anywhere or done anything. But I did take a trip to L.A. and thought it was great to go through the airport with a mask on. Nobody asked me for anything there and nobody um, walked up to me. So I guess I've had so many free experiences in the past five months of just, you know, that lack of having to be super socially aware that somebody's going to come up and just snap a photo of me. Um, it's been kind of cool. Really cool. Lisa, that's the flyest-ish ever that I can I can imagine. You not being recognized and being left the hell alone. 
Yeah, it's just nice because, you know, when you're out for a walk, like you're on your mission to take a walk and maybe people watch and be whatever. You're not on other people's mission, right? Mm -hmm. And when people have this need for this photo, what they don't realize is like they're cutting into like you are like, I go to events, I take photos, I do public things where I take photos. But like when you're out doing your thing, like in no time when you were getting ready to leave to go for your little walk and get some fresh air, were you thinking, okay, I'm going to take out 20 minutes to take photos during this time. You're not they're thinking that way. So it's an interruption in your own like free mental space. It's actually one of the things that really made me want to leave LA too is because LA, you know, everybody's super photo centric and you can't go anywhere. And I just started to feel like I told my friends, I think I'm a shut in in LA because unless I'm going out with a group of people somewhere and I have somebody standing over me, making sure people don't harass me while I have food in my mouth. Um, I can't not take photos. That's real. Audiobook. It drops when? It already dropped, buddy. That's right. Quarantine Project Success. You can get it right now on Amazon or Apple. It's amazing. In my voice, me telling you my story. And think about me in my closet. Uh, it was hot in there. I couldn't run AC because then you would hear it on a sound. Like it was it was a it was a month of like my friends were like, you grinding out this project. I'm like, I am. <laughs> and then sports came back. And then sports came back. So I was like, oh, perfect timing. I like it. And then everybody can catch on Sirius XM. Tuesdays and Thursdays, correct? Thursdays and Friday and Sundays. I'm sorry. Okay. Thursday mornings at Guru in the morning, uh, 7 to 10 a.m. Sundays, 12, 20 p.m. I join Jeff Vans and Bob Harris on a game day special. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at The Really Sand. You heard it first. We've been trying to get this done forever, ever, forever. No, isn't it easier now that everybody can just do their interviews from home? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Cause, but I mean, I cannot wait until somebody invites me into studio so far. I've got into studio like a couple of times cause barstool is open, which is amazing to be able to go into barstool. Cause our building is serious. Isn't opening till next year. Yeah. I, listen, I don't want to be anywhere near studio. I like being at the crib. Really? I like the energy of the studio. I like chatting up the guys that work the front desk. I like the security dude up on 36. Like I have people. That's my social time. Your public awaits. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. And don't forget also, if you want to play with me at Bavada, I drop my picks every Sunday. I do live events during UFC, during halftime. And you can use my promo code. It's BBLisa1000 at Bavada. All of that. Lisa, I appreciate you. And this is Scoopy Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Dunkin'. Kaboom! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe 
ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 